Hey folks, before I start this episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Vibe Street Studios. Vibe Street is a great um, studio that is located on the south side of Birmingham where I recorded this episode. And uh, they are a photography and podcast studio that's located on the south side of Birmingham. And uh, their mission is to be a professional and accessible resource to the community. Uh, and there you can reserve time to use the studio. Uh, they have a photography studio. Uh, which is available for rental. They have a full-day studio rental, which just gets eight hours of uh, photography space to be able to just uh, do whatever you feel is uh, is best with all the equipment they have available. Um, and you can go on the website, vibestreet.com, to learn more about it. Uh, they also have a podcast studio space and a co-work space where you can get an hour for just 20 bucks to uh, brainstorm and have a solo study session, a nice clean workspace, uh, to work with Wi-Fi access. So uh, be sure to check out Bob Street Studios. That is uh, bobstreet.com, and uh, a link to their website will be in the description below. Take a look at their website. If you've ever uh, have a reason to uh, use one of their services or you know anyone that may be interested in it, be sure to share that website with them and uh, go check out our folks over at Bob Street. Have a good one. Hey, folks. Um, before I begin this episode, I'm just going to do a little kind of overview. First off, again, shout out to the folks at Vibe Street for uh, helping me out with this episode and uh, helping me record this in a very nice professional space. I uh, really enjoyed the the, uh, the place that they have down there on the south side of Birmingham. Be sure to check them out. Link is going to be in the bio of this episode. Um, but I just want to cover a few things that I didn't get to talk about in this episode, or at least I didn't um, bring up. You know, most episodes, folks, it's just me really going in and saying, hey, I'm going to talk about 40 minutes worth of a certain subject and uh, things related to that subject. And um, I try and do, you know, in the, in the middle of the show, you know, and, and as quick as I can, I'll, I'll Google and, and do a fact check on myself. And I try to make sure I present, you know, factual um, based opinions, but mostly it is an opinion based show, folks. And I want you to know that, um, you know, the reason why I kind of bounce all over the place sometimes is because there there's there's not too much of a, a focus on on being uh, you know super structured with every single episode and uh, this is certainly one of those episodes um, but I didn't mention the presidential debate that happened last night uh, I'm gonna be dropping this episode on uh, on Wednesday night so it'll 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 really be made available on Thursday so it'll be earlier this week when the uh, debate took place on Tuesday night, and it was Monday when I recorded this episode at Bob Street. So, you know, when it comes to uh, the Supreme Court pick, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. That's what I talk about the most in this episode. But in the presidential debate, I mean, obviously, um, you know, I didn't get to bring this up much in the, uh, in the show, but I wanted to kind of just talk about it a little bit before this episode began. I mean, look, folks, this I, whatever last night was certainly wasn't a debate. Uh, you know, you could definitely blame the president for being the president, Donald Trump being Donald J. And, uh, you know, he does it. What he, he I, won't, I won't say he does debating well, but he does what uh, he does. Well, the certain type of uh, attitude and the and the and the character that he brings to a debate. It's always interesting, and uh, it's hilarious until you realize that this is real life, and this is like this is our president. <laughs> and then, you know, you, you're probably a little bit more scared of what's happening than than what is um, than than what uh, you know may make you want to laugh about the situation. But you know, like most people who have really analyzed that debate, the idea is that the American people lost um, and neither side really won because it was a screaming match the whole time about different, uh, you know, rumors and scandals and all types of, uh, you know, just the, the mud that's been slung on both sides was, uh, was highlighted most last night. Um, rather than really presenting a solid vision for the country on either side. And um, granted, you could say, okay, Biden, and like, look, I'm not 
You know, I'm not. I'm trying. I try to be very unbiased with this show, folks. But let's just be real. Biden is a regular politician, so he's going to try to give you regular politician answers and and actually probably present some policies within that answer. Meanwhile, Trump is 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 Trump, and so he comes at it in a way that is like. You know, this is this is this is a, this is war, baby. This is not just a, a discussion about the issues or a battle of the uh, of the minds. This is, hey, dude, you're wrong, and you're uh, a bad person because you're wrong, and this is why. And you know that that's the way Trump goes at it, and it's definitely um, it lacks substance and lacks policy. I mean, he touched on NAFTA for like a hot second, and really that's a weak point that Biden has when it comes to, you know, NAFTA and the trade deals that weren't very good. He touched on the crime bill a little bit, which I think was another weakness of the record of Joe Biden. And that's something that, uh, you know, I've talked about many times on the show. But at the end of the day, the current president and the current situation is something that is hard to argue over. Um, unless you really have some type of vision for the future that's better than the past. And uh, really, neither side presented that when it comes to coronavirus and when it comes to the economy and the future of the economy. Uh, but, you know, hopefully next episode will be or next debate will be less. I say episode because it almost is like a show. And um, but hopefully next episode will be something that is a little bit more focused on the issues and policy and uh and really gets after what is, um, you know, facing uh, the the American people the most. But I'm also not illusioned into thinking that there's going to be some magic change with these two characters over the next few months or next few weeks into the next debate. I think October 17th is the next debate. So odds are this is this is not uh, this is this is how things are probably going to go for the rest of these debates. And it won't really move the needle when it comes to uh, who's going to win this election or not. But um, we'll see what happens. I uh, I just want to talk about that a little bit. And I'd love to hear you guys' opinion on it. So, you know, feel free to message me on any social media or uh, or any any ways that you know of contacting me. If you want to discuss, uh, you know, some of the things I talk about on the show or just what's happening in our political uh, discourse. So... That is uh, the conclusion of this little introduction, folks. I hope you guys have a good day, a good week, and uh, I'm going to try to be back with another episode next week, uh, early next week, if not this time next week. Have a good one. What's up, folks? Got another episode of CC's Work coming at you. And uh, this episode, we are live from, from a studio this time around, and um, I'm going to do a more kind of ad read for these uh, wonderful individuals that I'm going to uh, be working with hopefully over the next few episodes and probably probably for a good while if things go well uh, and that's Bob Street Studios they're a, a black owned studio that is a podcast studio and a photography studio and um, and they also have space available for you to just meet and uh, study and do really um, you know anything you need in, in a nice quiet space um, that's an option that you have here with Bob Street Studio, and uh, I'm very, very excited about you know the, the future of hopefully, like I said, doing doing a few podcasts here and and, and being able to have it um, in a little bit more of a professional setting. So uh, I'm going to thank them for uh, allowing me to do this today, and uh, I did pay them, so that's <laughs> that's probably a big reason why they they let me do it. But um, you know, hopefully, I can, I can develop a relationship with these these folks so we can continue to um to do this and and do it well and hopefully have some conversations with with the bob street uh, staff and 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 the people that are part of this community uh, about politics and about the wonderful happenings in our government folks earlier this week we saw or last week we saw the passing of ruth bader ginsburg who is the uh was a supreme court justice she was nominated by bill clinton I think it was 91 when she was nominated. I want to uh, check on that real quick just to be sure. Um, but RBG, baby. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It is uh, It is quite um, a shame to see her 
you know, pass away in the sense that, you know, whether, however you feel about her politically, it is important to acknowledge, I think that she was a great, uh, it was 93, I'm sorry, that's when she was uh, on the Supreme Court, not 91. But I think that it is fair to say that RBG, like I said, no matter how you feel about her politically, she was someone who was a uh, a, a really, um, I think, inspirational figure for a lot of people, especially women who want to pursue a, uh, a career and uh, to assure that... Um, or, or really anyone who's, who's fighting to assure that women are uh, able to go through life without discrimination under the law in this country. Um, or discrimination based on, um, based on sex and, uh, and gender of any kind. And so, you know, I, I'm very, very, um, you know, aware of what her impact was in that, in that way. And I think that it's important to acknowledge that. Uh, and so now... What do we do now? We have a new court uh, opening, and the big question becomes, like, what is going to happen with the the seat? So if you didn't hear already, uh, Amy, there's a lady by the name of Amy Coney Barrett, who is uh, going to be the, or, or is Trump's nomination, to fill the Supreme Court seat. That was made available with the passing of RBG. As a judge on the Chicago base, this is from Reuters, by the way, Reuters.com, very good. It's R-E-U-T-E-R-S.com, very good. Reliable source, kind of unbiased uh, news source. Uh, As a judge on the Chicago base, 7th U.S. Circuit's Court of Appeals, Barrett, at age 48, has voted in favor of uh, one of Trump's hardline immigration policies and shown support for expan- expansive gun rights. And she has some notable opinions on abortion. Um, essentially, Barrett has uh, has been cited by a lot of the abortion rights groups as someone who will be um, likely to, you know, work toward the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Uh, we know which legalized abortion nationwide, and there's also the idea that Barrett might be someone uh, who, even though she has not ruled directly on abortion as a judge, she'll be someone that you know obviously sides with conservatives there and, and the pro-life crowd. This is how I feel about you know I mean there's there's that there's immigration and there's guns right that's the main kind of focus that a lot of people are having. I think Joe Biden is going after it more on policy, which I think is great. Look, even though Obamacare is not, you know, it, it, this is what it is about Obamacare. It is a Republican-based health care policy that was brought up by Newt Gingrich, who was the Speaker of the House in the 1990s, as a Republican, as a response to Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton's efforts to put forward a universal health care system and a completely socialized system. Well, I think it was a public option at the time, where essentially if you were not able to afford private insurance, you would be given a health care card from the government where you'd be able to use, I think, X amount of dollars every year uh, for health care. And, of course, that was many, many Goldman Sachs speeches and <laughs> and and health care insurance companies' contributions ago from the from the Clintons. When they've changed their position now, and and obviously, you know, Hillary was someone that was strongly against the idea of Medicare for all, which is something that Bernie put forward, and among other other policies that would have uh, you know made the healthcare system a little bit more equitable. But either way, Obamacare is better than nothing, you know, and the the Affordable Care Act is the name of the ACA. The Affordable Care Act is, I think the full name is Protect the, the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. Um, and look, there are key parts of the Affordable Care Act that are very good, like uh, the provision which makes it to where like you cannot be denied coverage based on pre-existing conditions. That's important. I think that, um, you know, assuring that, I mean, th- this is the reality. Like uh, when it comes to the numbers with Obamacare, there are... Uh, 21 million people 
who currently have health care insurance because of Obamacare who would lose that health care insurance if it was overturned or if it was somehow ruled unconstitutional. The Republican argument, and this, is, this goes to a part of the conversation that I'm going to bring in here in a bit, but their whole goal is to try to overturn it in the courts and again they like they don't have any it seems like they like we've yet to see a republican policy or healthcare policy put forward that's going to replace obamacare right so you leave 23 million people uninsured right there's 133 million americans with protected pre-existing conditions so these are people who do not have health care uh, like a plan through Obamacare, but they do have health care. They are allowed to get health care because before Obamacare, they were able, they were denied coverage no matter how much money you have. Right. No matter. I don't know if it was how much money you have, because, of course, you know, the, those at the top of this economy can only get whatever they want. But when it comes to. You know, your average American who may have had enough money to afford a, a good health care policy but was denied coverage because they had a pre-existing condition. Obamacare makes it to where that is not something that happens. And so if you take that out, there's 133 Americans, and also there's about half of that they're saying that um, – Half of that, and this is from a New York Times article, by the way, and, and, and New York Times, of course, is focusing on the ACA because, you know, I mean, that, that that's the type of kind of corporate-based policy that they, that they like. But, again, it's better than nothing. It's better than, it's better than whatever the Republicans are putting forward, which is nothing. And 133 million people could lose their health care. Half of those people are under 65. Or 133 million uh, Amer- million Americans could lose the pre-existing conditions coverage. I'm sorry about that. The protections to assure that if you have pre-existing conditions, you do not lose your health care. That is, or you do cannot be denied health care. That is a protection that's given through ACA. I think it's important that we maintain that. Biden is going hard in the paint on assuring that, uh, you know, the reason why he says they shouldn't, put forward a new judge yet is because obviously there is like Trump's whole thing has been let's get rid of Obamacare like that's one of the biggest things that he's been fighting for since before he was elected right and my thing with Trump is like for years and uh George Stephanopoulos pressed him on this when he did a town hall I think last week or a week before that where Trump was asked, like, well, where's the policy? It was two years ago that he sat down with the same reporter and said that we were going to come out with a policy within the next, like, week or two. And that was, you know, a year or two ago. That was two years ago. And then, uh, you know, it was the summer of last year where he made a speech and said, we're going to be coming out with a policy, like, tomorrow <laughs> or, like, the next, the next, like, few days. And here we are a year later. And we're still waiting over a year later, actually. And we're still waiting for a health care plan. Trump gave a speech last week where he was like, we're going to uh, we're going to protect Americans with with pre-existing health care or, or pre-existing conditions. We're going to help them. But like there is no plan of how that will happen. I think he also he so I will say this. Trump said this, uh, which is very interesting, where he said he was going to give health care cards essentially to those who are elderly. I don't know where the age range would start for him. I'm assuming maybe 65 or above. Where essentially, if you you get like I think you say $200 a month. I don't know if it's a month or a year. I mean, he, he this is just straight from a Trump speech, by the way. There's no solid like pen to paper, black and white version of what he's saying. But this is. Uh, I, I I'm very surprised that he's he's coming out with something now. Um, I won't say I'm I'm shocked, but like I'm surprised in the sense that like he's a hundred percent just putting together something that makes him sound good, and it seems like there's no like coherent plan to make it happen. 
right? And like this is the the reality. Like like I said, like Obamacare is not perfect, and it's not something the you know, the Affordable Care Act is not nearly anything that we you know should stop at when it comes to health care. I mean, there's I think there's like thirty million plus people that are still uninsured. And then that's like 30,000 Americans every year that uh, die because they cannot afford or uh, decide against getting health care coverage because of the cost. And um, there's no insurance for those people either. And and, and like Joe Biden came out and said, we're going to put together a plan that covers 97% of Americans. I don't know about the 3%. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if his plan is to I don't know if like 3% of the rich maybe they they're okay cuz they can afford it. They're not going to be covered, but you know, there there's this refusal to commit to on either side to commit to a plan that could cover all Americans like Bernie's plan of of Medicare for all, even though like I'm I'm very I'm very cautious as to how we would implement a plan like that because I do think you have to consider the private healthcare uh, industry and the amount of like just you know your middle class Americans that work in that industry like they need to be taken care of they need to be you know retrained or uh, or, or transitioned into some form of another career because odds are many of them were completely um reliant on on that job and that industry for uh, a living so when you put together a medicare for all plan and and you say all right our goal is going to be ultimately to to lessen and 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 in many ways eliminate the private health care industry then you have to say all right well how are we going to assure that those people that work in those industries are not screwed and i do think that that's something I don't hear a lot of from the left and 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 Bernie people who who you know push that policy hard. Uh, but that's not to say that it's a reason we shouldn't do it, right? And that's something that Republicans will probably cite as a reason why we shouldn't do it. I do think that that or or anyone that's in opposition to Bernie's because it's not just Republicans, but it would. Uh, I think that you have to say, well, well, how are we going to assure that, you know, there's a transition period or, or there is some type of uh, process where we don't completely uh, create another issue by solving one, you know? But back to the Supreme Court, folks. The reason why this week has been very interesting when it comes to the Supreme Court decision is because Senator Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, and many other Republicans made the argument eight months before the election in 2016 that Barack Obama should not select a Supreme Court nominee when Justice Scalia passed away in the beginning of that year. They made the argument that the election is too close and the next president should pick him or her. It was a him in that case because President Obama nominated Merrick Garland. It was a gentleman from... Let me try to get a little info on him. Yeah, Merrick Garland, very interesting character. Uh, just because his, his record is, is something... He's uh, he was someone that was kind of spotty on LGBT uh, rights, and um, he uh, he he prosecuted individuals that were deemed terrorists by the Justice Department. But you know, I'm I'm always I'm always you know somewhat skeptical sometimes of who the Department of Justice and who the Department of Homeland Security and those people deem as terrorists. I'm not saying I you know. I'm some terrorist sympathizer here, folks. Don't get me wrong. Terrorism's terrible, and it is bad. We shouldn't do that. Uh, we shouldn't condone that, uh, even though our government does sometimes. But 
you know, there's justices, when they make a decision like that, you do wonder, well, what is their thoughts on, like, overall, you know, free speech and overall, like, expression and overall, like, the, you know, is the Patriot Act something that's really, really, really constitutional? Or, you know, like, these are the type of things that I really wonder. And and th- that's the thing is, like, I'll come back to this. Going back to the Obama nomination, Merrick Garland was nominated by President Obama, and the Senate Republicans basically denied him a hearing and was able to just completely stop the process of Merrick Garland becoming a Supreme Court justice due to um, them having control of the Senate, and they just waited out to the election. They waited it out until the next term, and that's when Trump was able to uh, nominate Neil Gorsuch, and uh, he was the first pick of the Trump administration. Then, of course, we had Kavanaugh, crying Kavanaugh, as I like to call him, and uh, and now we have Amy Comey Barrett. Now, what I wanted to get to earlier, and this is something that I really am going to make kind of the main point of this podcast, and I think a lot of people are going to probably not I don't know, probably not like the the this type of conversation, but I, I think it's important that we have it. Here's the fact of the matter. Um, as always, our leaders are going to try and focus this argument on social and culture issues and not talk about the types of policies and the types of rulings that someone's made that genuinely affect the way the Constitution and the um, the economy works in some ways, too. For me, you know, for most people, you know, and, and for the media and for what is the mainstream, it seems, the conversation is centered around abortion, gun rights, immigration. And those are important conversations. I also think it's very important conversation when it comes to the ACA and the, like I just went through the healthcare debate and I think it's important that, you know, I mean, that that is in the courts now, folks. The fate of many Americans, many millions of Americans, uh, and the future of their health insurance is in the courts right now. And it's because Trump has a, just in this this need to just try and reverse everything Barack Obama did. Y'all know me. I'm not, I'm not a fan of everything President Obama did. But the ACA was better than nothing, like I say was better than nothing and to get rid of it without putting forward another plan is ridiculous in my opinion but they're all about getting rid of it and um and and since they are like that's very very important but i also wonder and like these are the type of questions that are not really asked a whole lot in the mainstream and that is like what does a justice feel about antitrust laws and monopolization. What does a justice feel about corporate power and how much influence they should have on American life and in this citizen's life uh, when it comes to like data protection, when it comes to per private information protection, when it comes to uh, what is and what isn't okay and constitutional in the Patriot Act, what is and what isn't okay and constitutional with the National Security Agency and what they do domestically here at home, 100% they're doing. I mean, Ever Snowden exposed that the NSA spies on us, folks. And a, a court of appeals proved that what he exposed was unconstitutional. Case closed, baby. Ever Snowden's more of a patriot than most of the leaders in our government ever will be and they still want this man to rot under the jail and probably probably going to try to take him out one day folks you watch but foreign money and what it should play in politics like these are the type of questions I wonder how our Supreme Court justices feel about mail-in ballots absentee voting 
Those, those are the things that are very important right now, of course. Um, and, I mean, you know, I'm not one of those people that's going to be like, you know, voting is the answer to everything because, you know, let's just be real, folks. We voted for some people that we really thought was going to bring change to this country, and they didn't. All right? So I'm not going to try to make this illusion that voting is going to be the way that this entire country gets better. I think you have to get active in many ways besides just voting. I think you have to get educated first to make sure that you're voting based on what's best for the future that you want. Once you can create a vision based on the information you have, based on the information you get. But when it comes to the Supreme Court, like those are the type of questions I wonder about folks. Like how do they feel about you know, certain certain things that really, really matter. And, like, that conversation never happens because, again, like I've said many times, like, we are really in a game when it comes to our political system that is leadership where it says we're going to focus the people's attention and everything they care about should be on culture issues and social issues which I'm not saying are unimportant. But what I am, like, really wanting everyone to understand is that that is part of a game to distract you from what is happening with the economy, how those at the top of this economy is looting us on a daily basis. Now, folks, the Department of Treasury is still giving billions of dollars every day to Wall Street to prop up artificially the stock prices. That's still happening. Ever since the CARES Act passed, they gave the keys to the Treasury to Wall Street, and they have been looting us blindly, folks. They have been looting us blindly, folks. And so, like, why isn't the conversation about that? You just have to wonder, why is the conversation not about antitrust law? And maybe, like, Maybe it's boring to people. Maybe that's why they don't talk about it. Maybe they're like, we can't get donations because of that. The Democrats have gotten the most donations, I think, since uh, the RBG death uh, that they've gotten. And, and from what I understand, in many months, as far as uh, like breaking records, breaking doning, uh, donate, donation records uh, with candidates across the country. And there's even some races that are very close, like old Lady G... Lindsey Graham is in trouble. There's a wonderful African-American gentleman by the name of Jamie Harrison, who's running in South Carolina as a senator, or to be the next senator from South Carolina. And uh, a poll last week, or I believe the week before last, showed that he was tied with Lady G, 48-48 in the state. And the money just poured in when that happened. And then, of course, I think next week, when RBG passed away, he ended up... uh, he ended up breaking all of his donation records. And you have Lady G. <laughs> it's so sad. I laugh because it is it is so sad, but it is hilarious at the same time. But Lady G was on uh, Lindsey Graham's, who I'm talking about when I say Lady, Lady G, by the way, folks. He's a senator from South Carolina. But Lady G was on Fox News three separate times, I think, on the Sunday shows last week practically begging people for money. He's like, folks, we're getting outspent. He's almost crying. My dad had lunch with dad today or a breakfast with dad earlier. He was like, yeah, Linda Graham was about to cry, wasn't he? (laughs) And he was, but folks, Jamie Harrison is the type of individual that I believe will, uh, like, I'm not with him on everything, of course, but I am with him enough, and I do genuinely feel that he's the type of person that will work more for the middle class and working Americans and be willing to come over on issues where he may be on the fence um, when it comes to, like, making decisions like, you know, Medicare for All or, or, or you know, UBI or, um, you know, it, it stimulus payments of any kind or, uh, you know, uh, closing corporate loops, tax loopholes and, and being able to close um, – or, or, excuse me, being able to assure that taxes aren't you know, lowered on, on the rich any more than they already are. Because, I mean, they shouldn't be. Uh, but, you know, I mean, this this is an interesting time. And Lindsey Graham and, and the Republicans, 
all said that they did not want a uh, Supreme Court nominee to be selected by a sitting president when we are so close to the election. That was eight months before the election they did that with Obama. Here we are two months before the election, President Trump, and Republicans are all about it, baby. And it also is hilarious how Mitt Romney went with, you know, he said that he was going to vote in favor of President Trump's uh, Supreme Court decision. And it's funny because all the resistance liberals, the hashtag resistance folks over at like MSNBC and CNN who think that like just because Mitt Romney doesn't like the way Trump tweets that he is like on their side and is someone that's going to, you know, really be like an anti-Trump person. But like they also forget that Mitt Romney is a Mormon from Utah, one of the most pro-life states in America. And if you think that he's just going to roll over and not side with the Republican leadership on this issue, when when it will probably cost him the election if he was to not do it again, I think he's up for re-election in 2022 again. Or uh, I think, it, yeah, I think 2022. Uh, if not, it would be 2044 or 2024. Yeah, I think it'd be 2022. Um, the idea that Trump or that Mitt Romney wasn't going to side with Trump's nominee, yeah, of course. Of course. What are you talking about, people? What are you talking about? This dude's not with you. He's a Republican. He's a conservative. <laughs> He's a hardcore conservative at that. This is the same dude who said that, like, 40% of Americans don't matter because they... Uh, they're all, they they're poor basically. That's that was his argument, and that's that lost him the election in 2012. But folks, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I'm um, I'm excited. Let me see how long we've been recording. Got 29 minutes in. Folks, I'm very excited about really where we're possibly headed in this country. I say that because I think that some of the people are starting to wake up and really understand that we're at a pivotal moment in our country's history. We have to make some decisions that um, that are more for the working class. And look, this Supreme Court decision... No matter who uh, gets the seat, like Merrick Garland is probably going to be the Democrat nominee if uh, somehow Amy Coney Barrett doesn't get through, uh, which is very possible because I think like on average, they say it takes about 70 days to pass the Supreme Court nominee. And folks, we've got like a lot less than 70 Uh yeah, we. I mean, we've we've got. Let me see. How long? How many days until November third? Yeah, there's 36 days, folks, until the election. So, odds are this Supreme Court nomination, unless it's like insanely rushed. Odds are it's not going to work out, and and there's going to be a Supreme Court seat open in time for the president. Unless they pass them, I mean, there's a good chance that she could get passed uh, between the uh, presidencies if Trump was to lose the election. But Merrick Garland, like I said, he would most likely be the next person to um, to be picked by the the Biden administration. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's the type of person, he's made some decisions that I just, I don't always agree with. Like he said that he wants the DEA to decide whether marijuana has medical benefits or not. Yes, the Drug Enforcement Agency, one of the leading factors in the war on drugs, should decide whether or not weed is something that's good or not, basically. That's what he's saying. I bet they really are excited about uh, trying to disprove all the propaganda that they've been putting forward for the the past like 40 years but 
I don't agree with that decision. I think that you have to let the medical doctors make the decision of whether or not it's medically legal or, or uh, has medical benefits or not. But it's whatever. That's that's where you know that's that's the type of stance where it's like I I'd rather you not be on the Supreme Court, sir. But he's made some other decisions. You know, he is uh, he has a preference for open and transparent government. And uh, he has supported the Freedom of Information Act. He has, um, you know, been someone that was a key part of the investigation for the uh, Unabomber and Oklahoma City bombings. So he has a pretty good uh, criminal law record as far as being able to solidly get uh, some sort of results. Um, he has ruled in favor of releasing non-enemy combatants from Guantanamo prison which is very big I think we need to close Guantanamo Bay um, because it's atrocious what we do there but it is what it is we're, uh, we've had three presidents now tell us we're going to close that and they haven't done anything um, a regulatory agency decides worker safety issues not Congress I think that's very good because Congress is political. And odds are when you have political decisions in the way of workers' rights and, and assuring that uh, workers are safely taken care of, donations can sometimes sway the decision of Congress. But when it comes to uh, the regulatory agencies, it is illegal for them to be swayed by donations. So hopefully... That's not taking place. But he is uh, he, he's an interesting, interesting choice where he's kind of in the middle. And and he does lean, I think, more toward a populist stance, uh, which, you know, I'm all about that, folks. I'm all about that. And I'm very, very excited to see what might happen but, folks, we got an election first. And, you know, I mean, I, I've talked about that enough on this show, I think. But this episode, I just wanted to kind of give you a breakdown of what's going on with the Supreme Court. And really the type of questions that you need to be asking folks, not just about abortion, not just about uh, immigration, not just about gun rights, which are going to be the things the media is going to focus on and 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 Biden is going to also focus on the Affordable Care Act which is a good thing right that's a good subject we need to focus on and a good thing that we need to have some questions about but uh we we've also gotten to start asking questions about what is the you know best approach to assuring uh that companies and major corporations don't become monopolies, don't break antitrust laws. Supreme Court needs to be a watchdog for that. Supreme Court needs to be a watchdog for assuring that corporate power isn't dominating the political space and arena and that the people have a voice still. I think sadly that they have not focused on that as much as they should and it's led to I mean, blatant corruption taking place in our government, folks. And, you know, we need to have conversations about, like, what do they feel about voting rights? How do they feel about, uh, you know, how do, they, how do they feel about the absentee balloting and mail-in balloting and whether the validity of those? Um, we need to make sure that they are... saying, you know, dark money shouldn't be in politics. We need to, you know, assure that they have a stance that is open to exposing dark money in politics and, 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 and money that we don't know where it comes from that influences our politics. Like, those are the type of things that we have to fundamentally talk about. But also, there's one thing, and, and I touched on this a little bit earlier, and... I think we're going to wrap up this episode here soon, but 
One thing I talked about earlier that I wanted to, to really hammer down on is there's also the conversation about how our government should operate. Because fundamentally, the Republican Party in particular, and the Democrats have done this too, have kicked a lot of issues down the road or over to the Supreme Court to make a decision on instead of not being, in my opinion, and excuse my language if there's anyone in the room that's under the age of 18, but in my opinion, we've had a Congress and we've had people uh, in leadership that have been real bitches when it comes to making decisions in government and taking a stance. Because when it comes to, like, gay marriage, when it comes to, I won't say gay marriage, I think marriage equality is the correct uh, way to categorize that at those issues. But when it comes to marriage equality, when it comes to abortion rights, when it comes to gun rights, when it comes to all those social issues that they want to kick over to the Supreme Court and focus you on, Look, if, if Congress is going to focus you on those social issues, wouldn't it be great if they actually acted on those and not said, hey, we're not going to do anything. We're going to just let the courts decide uh, because we don't want to take a stand and we don't, want to, we don't want to have any values or spine about anything besides doing what's best for the corporations and our donors. That's what the game is. That's part of the game, folks. And like... We gotta we gotta make a decision about uh, like where we go from here, and you have to make some choices about assuring our government is actually governing and not just saying uh, or our legislators making sure they're actually legislating and not just saying hey we're gonna let a court decide what should be law, what should be introduced as a bill. You know, Congress at this point only, I mean, what's sad is like, and this is the last thing I want to touch on, but like in the middle of all this, folks, we got the Supreme Court decision. Like that's going to be the main focus of Congress, probably for the rest of the term. Meanwhile, Last week, unemployment claims went up for the first time in months during the pandemic, I think since April. We have seen um, the beginnings of just another rough economic time for a lot of people. And there has yet to be any conversation about a new stimulus package or a new unemployment benefit insurance increase or anything that matters for most regular everyday Americans in this moment. In this moment, folks, in like in, in right in this in this time, I like to say that let's put aside the focus on the Supreme Court, even though that is a major issue, and I'm not saying that we should ignore that completely. But, folks, like, that's not integral to the lives of many Americans like paying their bills are. It's not integral to the lives of many folks like making sure they have enough money to buy food. I believe there's a statistic that came out. Let me let me pull this up. Let me, let me get, this, get this right, folks. And uh, I'm going to leave you on this note. And like I know that Trump, the uh, the tax returns came out, and and there's you know a big conversation about that. But you know, all else, I mean, I'll talk about that more later in another podcast. But like, folks, it is what it is. I mean, the rich have been stealing from this country for decades, and I mean, what what are we? That's this what it is. Trump only paid seven hundred fifty dollars in the past two years on taxes. Seven hundred fifty dollars in twenty sixteen. I think in 2017, or uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think it was 2017 that he paid two uh, or seven hundred dollars in taxes. So in total, Trump has only paid fourteen hundred and fifty dollars in taxes. Okay, he's supposed to be a billionaire, right? 
Okay. So that's, he claims to be a billionaire. He claims to have paid millions in taxes. Uh, the IRS forms don't lie. <laughs> so, which is it, Mr. President? But, you know, we can talk about that later. But, like, this whole show is about how the rich have been screwing us, folks. So, I mean, what what's new for this show? Nothing when it comes to that Trump tax return stuff. The president's lying. He knew that, too. But anyways, I'll end you with this, folks. Ro Khanna, who is a candidate for, uh, he's also a current representative, but he uh, brought to the floor and the attention a very, very important uh, statistic. It says, whether the stock market is rising or falling, it does not change the fact that 23 Americans, 23 million Americans, didn't have enough food to eat at home at some point over the past week. And that was two days ago when he made that that remark. And uh, when it comes to his statistics and the data where that comes from, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that up because I always like to cite it, folks. We always like to get it right. So, food insecurity. So, food insecurity. Essentially, uh, they're saying that total there's about 35.7 million Americans. And uh, that's just in total as of two weeks ago. 35.7 total Americans. uh, 35.7 million Americans in total uh, are food insecure in this moment, in this month. Folks, that's almost uh, over 10% of our population. So, at some point, we've got to make a decision about when are we actually going to act for the people. And, uh, you know, like I've told you, I mean, like, I don't have much confidence in either side to really do this effectively. They're going to figure something out, though. I certainly hope so. Uh, It it will be mediocre, as always. Um... (laughs) But it'll be better than nothing. Just like Obamacare, folks. So, hey, shout out to Bob Street one more time. Thanks for letting me come in. And uh, I came in a little late. It's on Black People Time today, folks. Sorry about that. Uh, But we won't do that again. And we're going to make sure that uh, we're going to make sure that we, you know, we continue to use this great studio because I've had a good time here. Uh, there's a fan that's over here. It's keeping me cool. I get to watch the wonderful uh, city of Birmingham and what's happening outside here. So I'm going to do some more podcasts, I think, here, folks. Let me know what you think. And uh, be sure, as always, review, subscribe, and share. And, uh, and don't forget to do your own research, folks, and create your own opinions on the political matters of our country. Because that's the only way we're going to really, really make things better uh, is if you can be an informed voter uh, and not just vote, but uh, also uh, be sure to act on what you want this country to be. Have a good one, folks.